Hey baseball fans, Matt here, and welcome back to Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. On this episode of the pod, Brendan Logan and I talk about the wonderful time that is spring training. We look at how interesting teams and players are performing and how those performances will impact the regular season, making some notable and funny observations along the way. We are in the middle of March. Spring training is a little bit more than halfway through, and there are a lot of teams and players that have overperformed and underperformed. Today, we're just going to do sort of an overview of what's been going on in spring training. Uh, you got Matt, Logan, and Brendan all here back at it again to talk about Probably the seventh best month of baseball, which is March. But it's going to be a good episode, guys. So I, I guess the first thing that we should talk about is just some some overarching Major League Baseball news about spring training. So is spring training this year, does it feel a little bit different well, it's just nice seeing fans back in the ballpark, uh, especially it's like watching TV from home. And um, there's still the cardboard cutouts, but seeing like fans on the berm, you know, walking around the concourse, it does feel like a little bit of normalcy and similar to spring training of last year. Um, definitely, you know, summer camp was a one nice little one-off, but you know, definitely great to see people back in the ballpark. It's nice weather in Florida, um, and yeah, like you know, very close to opening day and it seems like most fans are going to be able to go to their, see their favorite team. Uh, I know in New York, uh, 20% capacity for both New York teams, the Yankee stadium or city field, uh, different States like Texas, you can go uh, to global life field and hundred percent capacity, but yeah, spring training, it is a little bit different this year because they are experimenting with a few different rules. Um, like some games early on were like five or seven innings. Uh, I think now most games are around like nine innings, uh, but a little bit more flexible. Like you can take out your pitcher in a certain inning and bring them back into the game just to get their work in. So baseball has been a little bit more like, you know, not taking it so seriously for spring training, just like being flexible with the rules, getting players to get their work in and get their timing straight. So, but overall, to answer your question, yes, it feels like a normal spring training and it feels like we're creeping back into normalcy. And, you know, hopefully the that capacity goes up and up as the summer goes along and more people get vaccinated. I feel like even besides the whole normalcy of spring training, just because it's the first season since the pandemic, that spring training is very telling for a lot of roster moves and stuff that carried over from the skepticism of certain teams and players from the pandemic shortened season uh logan coming into spring training what did you think we would find out just sort of overall about like did you think that spring training was going to be a little bit more important this year yeah so we actually talked about it um two weeks ago i know i remember matt making a comment about this or maybe it was brendan i don't know someone said that pitchers especially are going to have to ramp up differently now than they did in the past. And I think spring training, we're seeing that we're already seeing pitchers throwing 60 pitches and that's not bad at all, considering we're still two weeks away from the season starting. Um, that's been something I was looking into. Um, I also just think generally speaking, this is a different spring training in the sense that we're back to a full season of baseball. So the, like the, the rookies that are coming up, we're back to our, you know, um, like, uh, what, what's it called? The manipulation of their um, service time, service, service time. time. Thank you. So we're looking into that. So of course, like, you know, players to watch like Jared Kalanick, um, like, will he come up or not? Um, that's been something I've been looking at as well. So it's, it's definitely been fun, but it's, it, it is a little bit more important now since a lot of players didn't have the chance last year to play in 60 games. Yeah, this is definitely a telling spring training so far. And I think off the bat, we should definitely discuss some of the maybe bigger surprises or just overall teams that are doing well. Of course, spring training isn't super indicative of what's going to happen during the season. But 
it is a little bit interesting to know which teams are doing well and which teams aren't. Uh, Brendan, why don't you talk a little bit about the Kansas City Royals? Sure, I can talk about the Kansas City Royals. And I think it's actually a good segue uh, what Logan was just talking about with like service time manipulation because a big storyline out of like Royals camp is about uh, Bobby Wood Jr. and whether he'll he'll he will make the opening day roster. Um, so right now he's the seventh the seventh overall prospect in baseball. Um, he's a shortstop by trade, but with Alberto Mondesi kind of locked in there, uh, Wickens buying time in second, maybe play the outfield. But he's been tearing it up this spring training. Uh, he's been getting loads of at bats. And he, you know, is definitely delivering on that. Um, the Royals were busy in the offseason, improving their major league team, uh, giving get, getting veterans like Angie Benatendi and Carlos Santana. So they do see more in it to win it than maybe other teams in the AL. So having Bobby Witt would definitely help their chances. Um, I met Merrifeld, I was also discussing before the podcast, how he's just like one of the most underrated superstars in baseball and he kind of was the only guy that survived this Royals rebuild uh, wasn't traded uh, Salvador Perez as well they're both having excellent spring trainings uh, I don't like put too much weight in the spring training stats but I mean for Merrifield and Perez who were amazing last year and they're just been super great and consistent their whole careers you know seeing them light it up in spring training is good to see um, so yeah they're, they're one of the top teams in terms of like standings in um, not the Grapefruit League, the Cactus League. They're 12 and 6. Um, again, like not super indicative of like what will happen during the regular season because, you know, some of these spring training games are, you know, teams will, it's more about getting the work in than actually getting the results. But it's still good to have those wins to like give you some momentum uh, if you're trying to carry that over into the regular season. Uh, other teams that stand out to me in the Cactus League are the Cubs. They're 10 and 5 right now. Um, Jock Peterson, who they brought in, is having a really good spring training. He has already five home runs with, with his new team. Um, yeah, this team got a lot of backlash for like selling off its veterans like Darvish, uh, not re-signing Schwarber and Lester. So seeing them get off to a good start the spring training, you know, some people have already like written them off as being like a playoff team again. So seeing like, you know, Chris Bryant like come back to camp and uh, still be a Cub and um, you not you Darvish. Um, Kyle Hendricks and some of their other guys they have still um, performing well so far in spring training. It's uh, interesting to see the Cubs um, not totally being forgotten about yet. Uh, so that's kind of my thoughts on like the Cactus League. Um, and then there's like teams like other, on the other end of the spectrum, like the White Sox are five and 10, like they're expected to be a competitor. Um, they made a lot of moves um, the last two off seasons and they have a lot of great talent. So, Again, like the White Sox and the Royals, like the White Sox are projected to be a lot better than the Royals, but they pretty much had the inverse uh, spring training record. So we'll see what carries over, what doesn't carry over. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on the Royals. And I hope they do carry Bobby Wood Jr. to the Major League team on opening day. We were really high on the Royals offseason, Brendan. I remember in our offseason episode for the American League, we both ranked them very high. Another team that we ranked fairly high, at least in terms of our expectation of them this upcoming season, is the Marlins. However, Logan is actually kind of low on them, but they are eight and three right now, and the great and leading the Grapefruit League. So, Logan, just to spite you, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about one of the two teams that play both in Florida during spring training and in the regular season. Yeah, sure, I'd love to. <laughs> um, no, the, the Marlins are a very solid roster and it's no secret that they're going to be carried by their pitching. Um, their pitching was really good last year and it's why they made the playoffs last year. Um, it's why they had the success that they did over teams such as the Mets who did not have the bullpen to carry uh, the rest of their roster. Um, so the Marlins are in a good position pitching wise. That is that has been the case and that will continue to be the case. They're extremely young there. They're extremely good. So that's always nice with Alcantara, um, Sanchez, and uh, Lopez. That top three is amazing. Um, they do have some hitters, though. Brian Anderson is criminally underrated, has been for three years now. Miguel Rojas is going to get you close to 300 batting average. Aguilar is going to hit 30 homers. 
they have some guys that are switching around and they do have some nice prospects. I still don't see them as a playoff team, but that pitching can carry them pretty far. So that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be crazy to say that they might make a wild card or push a team like the Mets in that division. Whereas if I would think the Braves have the upper hand pretty solidly. Yeah. When the Marlins make the wild card, Logan's going to be very upset. Another team that, Wait, hold on. Can I throw my two cents in the Marlins for a second? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. I just saw one. Mention, I just want to mention Sandy Alcantara for a second. I got his last name pronounced right. Logan. Congratulations. Um, 12, cool. and two thir- 12 and two-thirds innings, 19 strikeouts with a zero ERA. He's not giving up a run this spring training. So just throwing that out there. Also, Starling Marte, they acquired at the deadline last year. and like He kind of missed some time with injuries once he got traded. He didn't really play in the playoffs. So Marte also off also off to a really good start in spring training. And, you know, if he is the type of, you know, top 30 player, top 50 player in baseball, he was with the Pirates for so many years. That's a really, you know, that's a really good ad on what was already a good Marlins team last year. So just my two cents. But, yeah, back to uh, Matt, what were you going to pitch it to? I was just going to say that I I like the Marlins a lot. And it's, it always gives me a little bit of glee when a team that really shouldn't be that good is actually pretty solid. Marlins are sneaky good with their roster. It'll be exciting to see how they finish. And again, if they make a, if they make a wild card spot, I know Logan will be very upset. But Brendan and I will be very upset if a team like the Washington Nationals makes a wild card. A team that Brendan and I are kind of low on, but a team that Logan is high on. Logan, what's going on in Washington? I just think that this team has way too much talent to not be good. Um, they, I think their floor is higher than people realize, even if their pitching struggles, cause it is on the older side with Corbin Strasburg and Scherzer, of course, they have maybe the best hitter in baseball and Soto and they have a night. They've made a lot of low key solid moves to improve their whole entire offense. Um, one thing that we were looking into at breakfast this morning, cause it is baseball for breakfast after all was their position battle. And one of them was, for third base, and we might see Carter Kiboom, Kaiboom, however you pronounce his name, we might see him finally solidify and stick. Um, and they have Starling Castro at second now. They still have now they have Josh Bell at first. Schwarber's out in the outfield to hit some. So I mean, they're gonna hit home runs with the best of them. And if they can keep the batting average up, and if their pitchers are healthy, we don't. They don't even need to you know set the world on fire with the pitching. Their pitching is one of the best in the league when healthy. So if they're just healthy, that alone should be enough to get them pretty far in the NL East. I don't know if it'll get them in the playoffs, but I think they'll be very good. It's just, hard to it's hard to make the claim that their pitching is so great now because of how older it is. Like maybe three, four years ago, we could say that the Nationals had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. I'm not saying that they do. Four years all, ago, come on. All Two I'm years saying, ago? When they won the World Series, it's a good point. <laughs> all yeah. I'm saying, all I'm saying is that when you get older as a hitter or a pitcher, your numbers start to get a little bit more volatile. Not everyone could be Nelson Cruz at Brendan. I it should be important to note that the Nationals are pretty average when it comes to categories right now in spring training. They have like the 17th best batting average and the seventh best uh ERA. So the Nationals were a team that made a lot of very interesting moves this past offseason. So It'll be it'll be cool to see how all of those moves paid off. Right now, it doesn't seem like they're really doing much of anything out of the ordinary. I think we, I mean, realistically, I think we all kind of expected the Nationals to be on average. Like we, I don't think any of us picked them in our World Series sort of team draft, right? I don't think we had Washington at all. I picked. I just picked better teams than that. I just had the best draft, so. <laughs> well, that's my point, where we picked 15 teams, which is half the league, and we didn't pick Washington. They were probably within the next five picks, but they, they weren't selected. That's all I'm saying. I think now it's, it's very appropriate to move towards our favorite teams, respectively. Logan, Wait, hold up, hold up. I can't get the comment on these teams? No, absolutely not. Sure. I want to comment. Okay, make a comment. Okay. Cry about it. Uh, it's not a crying. It's a more about saying the facts because they don't care about your feelings. So Carter Keeboom, again, like he's he's kind of like rolled into camp these last few years. It's kind of like competing for the third base spot. Uh, they haven't had a clear third baseman 
uh, since Rendon. Well, actually, uh, you know, the last two years because Rendon left in 2019. So Carter Keboom, uh, he's a high tatted prospect. He's only 23 years old. But again, he just hasn't hit at all in his major league career. And this spring training uh, with pretty much most of the playing time at third base, he has only amassed a 143 batting average. So he's been pretty bad. Um, and again, this national team really, maybe we, they shock the world. Maybe baseball drops a bombshell and says there'll be a DH this year, but pitchers are hitting are preparing to hit for this year. Uh, they're bunting, they're, you know, they're hitting in games. So having Schwarber out in left field is going to be a real, and Josh Bell at first base is going to be very interesting. Um, but Bell is doing well in spring training. He has a few home runs from each side of the plate, but again, Schwarber and Keyboom. Um, we'll see, but I just wanted to comment on Carter Keyboom because like they haven't gotten a third baseman for the last two off seasons. And they're just like preying on Keyboom being like a, this star player and the spring training. Like I'll put some stock into his spring training performance because he is kind of fighting for a job here for third base and hasn't li- lived up to the billing. But I, re- I remember when he was a super highly tattered prospect when he was a second baseman, obviously now Starling Castro fills that role. But there are a lot of prospects that are going to make or break a lot of rosters in Major League Baseball this next year. But a couple of teams that are a little bit more solidified that I hinted at before are our two favorite teams, the Yankees and Mets. Both are having interesting springs, to say the least. But I guess I let's do this debate style. Who's having the better spring training? The Yankees? Wait, what? There's no reason to do a Mets versus Yankees podcast. I disagree. This isn't no, but it's this is a little segment. It's a little segment is all. I think there's more to talk about. Wait, what'd you say, Brendan? I think there's other stuff we can talk about, but Um, it's a little segment. You know what? Now we're gonna make it really interesting. Brendan, you're pro Yankees. Logan, you're pro Mets. Go. I actually am pro Yankees because their pitching has been like, it's been fantastic and and healthy during spring training, and now they're in a position where. They have to decide who their fifth starter is going to be, and they're going to leave a talented pitcher out of that mix and probably have them a long man in the bullpen. Um, in terms of depth, you know, their stars are playing well. Judge and Stanton are hitting. They've played in most games. Guys like Jay Bruce, who's fighting for a roster spot, is in a bright spot, and it's pretty much at a lock to make the opening day roster at this point. Uh, Quint Frazier, you know, Gary Sanchez has a few home runs mixed in there. Uh, Torres has looked, pretty, has looked better at shortstop than he has. Uh, Chapman added a new pitch to his arsenal, so he's been nasty during spring training. So him and Chad Green, hopefully the bullpen is still uh, top-notch. So yeah, this team that like many questioned uh, their pitching last year uh, couldn't really compete with the Rays when it came to the play- to the five-game playoff series, uh, but they, were, they hung in there. So this year, Kluber, Tyon, Montgomery, uh, Harmon, and Debbie Garcia, very talented and then Severino possibly coming back uh again the record's good and the pitching performance is really what I'm looking at I'm their, hit, their hitters are gonna hit uh I don't know what Voight's been up to but their hitters are gonna hit I'm not worried about their stats there but seeing the pitchers go out there and like dominate in spring training because that's what I look forward for spring for in spring training like spring training is more about the pitchers getting ready you know hitters are gonna hit you know like give them a few days they'll get in the rhythm but seeing the, their pitchers go out there and dominate and you know stretch out and be healthy, if this team could pitch like that for a full you know twelve and four in spring training, this team could be a, a walk away uh, favorite in the AL East definitely and maybe the pennant in the American League. So a very positive spring. Just knock on wood when we start hearing about uh, hamstring tightness for Stanton and Judge. It's not happening. There's no way. All right, pro Mets side, Logan, go ahead. Yeah, that sure. was very nice of me, by the way. I think you yeah, you were job. yeah, you were nice. Thank you. I'm selling stock in the Yankees. I, I was I convinced you. You don't really need much convincing. They're like I agree. Yeah, objectively an amazing team, but the Mets are also having a very good spring. Um, for me, the story with the Mets is Lindor, of course, who has just hit a grand slam as of yesterday, um, for recording purposes, um, but. Yeah, he has multiple home runs. He's been doing really well. That's not a surprise. He should be doing this well. Um, Similarly to the Yankees, the Mets offense was amazing last year. It will continue to be amazing. And that's especially so if Alonzo continues to hit the way he has. 
Um, my favorite thing about the Mets right now is probably their depth. So they just made like a, a, a crazy flurry of moves this offseason. Um, of course, McCann for catcher. That has the potential to be very good. Um, but also just like players like VR and um, Kevin Pilar too. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're all mixing into this roster. When they get roster spots, they're going to have one of the deepest rosters and benches in baseball. Um, as long as Nimmo could stick in the outfield, um, you know, they didn't get a center fielder. So like he's, he's out there. Uh, McNeil as well is going to be playing a different position potentially. So these are things to watch, but they've had a good spring and I don't really worry about their pitching. Cause I mean, Carrasco just got hurt, which is unfortunate. I'm worried about the pitching. I was actually going to like segue that into a topic about number five starters, because both these teams have very similar uh, decisions to make for, you know, most of their rosters pretty much like locked in this play at this point. But I actually was going to pivot and say like, who do you think the number five starter should be for the Mets considering Carrasco's uh, torn hamstring? And who do you think the starting the number five starter should be for the Yankees? So if that, if you guys want to want to do that, I have my thoughts on both. I so think... name me top four for the Mets. Let's start there. Yeah. Okay. So Degrom, uh, Stroman, and Walker stretched out. So those are your top three. Uh, Carrasco, you know, he had elbow soreness and tore his hamstring, so he's out for uh, quite a bit. Uh, David Peterson probably has the number four uh, spot locked up based on last year. So number five is between like uh, Lucchese, Joey Lucchese, who they got from the Padres, uh, Jordan Yamamoto, and maybe like Jared Eikhoff. Uh, Joey Lucchese is probably like the heavy favorite for that job, but Yamamoto has also had a pretty solid spring and was like a pretty promising pitcher in 2019 for the Marlins. But Lucchese has a funky delivery. Uh, he's been good this spring and having two lefties in the rotations is never a bad thing, but Yamamoto has also been impressive. So that's my, those are my, uh, and then Carrasco and Syndergaard coming are projected to come back around the same time. So, if those guys hold on the fort, Lucchese and Yamamoto, it'd be really nice when Carrasco and Syndergaard come back. I think either way, no matter if it's Lucchese or Yamamoto, or even who's the other guy, Jared Eikhoff? Yep. Yeah. I think no matter what, that we could see a lot different starting rotations this coming year. I, I said it with the Dodgers and Padres because they have so many good starters that the very definition of a pitching staff could be completely redefined in the coming season or even in the coming years. I'll say that in a traditional five-man pitching rotation, I think that Yamamoto just has the better stats, so I would rather him over Lucchese or Eikhoff, but I think you could go six-man rotation, you could go seven-man rotation, you could go four-man rotation and have three long men who are really starters. There, there's no, this is such a good problem to have for both the Yankees and the Mets that there's no real stressing about it. I actually, I mean, I agree with the sentiment. I disagree for the reason that I kind of have this feeling that Yamamoto would be really good out of the bullpen as a long man. Like he fit, feels to me like a raised pitcher, if that even makes sense. It's not like a tangible thing. Well, he used to he, pitch in Florida, so that works. Well, like, yeah, that doesn't really matter for this. That was but a joke. I, just, I apologize. <laughs> no, but I just I feel like Lucchese, I don't want to say deserves the chance to start, but he did have success as a full time starter three years ago. He has been bad or two years ago. He's been bad since, but I think he might stick. I don't love Peterson, which is that's a side note. I'm not like super high on him, but he did well enough last year. That he's definitely going to get the four spot or the next five spot um, when Carrasco comes back or more synagogue, whichever comes first. Um, that's what I would say for the Mets. What about you, Brendan? For the Mets or for the Yankees? Well, did you well, talk I said about that? Yama, I said you that. Think... You, I said Lachesi is the, the 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 favorite for the fifth starting spot. Uh, for but the like, who's your favorite? Oh, Lachesi, I think. Oh, okay. Yamamoto is good stuff, but it's just like um, I I agree with your sentiment that I could see him like a weapon, you know, multiple inning role out of the bullpen. I like Lucchese better in the bullpen, honestly. Like a 6'5 lefty to me is a lot more intimidating coming in like the sixth or seventh inning than Jordan Yamamoto. I think Yamamoto just fits better as a starter. That's all. 
Well, Chase, he doesn't really throw hard. Like, Yamamoto throws, like, hard as a righty. But the thing is, the Mets don't have a lot of lefties in the bullpen. So, I, that could be the argument that you want with Chase yeah. in the bullpen at, uh, you know, diversify your bullpen and another lefty. Uh, for the Yankees, um, obviously the top three set with Kluber, Tyon, and Cole. I think um, four got, and five are up for debate, and it's a circle between three guys right now. I think David Garcia is the is going to be cut out here. I Absolutely think, not. Yeah, There's think, no way. There's no possible way. You think Garcia is a lock for the starting rotation? I don't think he's a lock for anything, but all I'm saying is that it's way more likely that Herman gets the axe than any of the than than Montgomery or Garcia. They they still have to bet on Garcia because he's so young. Herman has the baggage with the domestic abuse stuff, which I'm not saying he'll get punished by the Yankees. I'm just saying that he hasn't pitched in like a full season. And, and he's a really good man. Herman. I mean, yeah, he was good for like three fourths of a season. And then he blew up basically in like August or September in 2019. I'm saying now I'm saying now he's looking good. He has 13 strikeouts. Uh, no no runs given up in nine innings in spring training. One walk. Yeah, that's great. But Montgomery and Garcia are also probably very solid. So I, I would be willing to say that it would be Montgomery for Garcia five or vice versa. I just think that I just think that saying saying Garcia is not gonna get a starting rotation spot doesn't make any sense. I don't think he was like that amazing last year. Like he had a few good starts when he came up, but just saying like, hey, like in those two or three starts, like you guarantee your spot in the rotation next year. I'm I think not saying he's a lot. the Messiah. I'm not saying he's the Messiah, but I'm saying that like they, he's been a hyped prospect for years. You're not going to just give up on him so easily. You're not, it's not giving up on him. Like the Yankees are going to have either in not injuries or also spots starts, and he'll have his opportunities to pitch. He could also pitch it out of the bullpen. I say Montgomery is definitely a lock for the fourth spot, and then Herman has the leg up for the fifth spot. That's my opinion. That's what's going to happen, in my opinion. You're entitled to it. That's great. Here's my take. I think Montgomery has the four spot locked up. I don't even like love that, but he will He will be the four starter. I, I'm confident in Mongo, honestly. I mean, I'm, it's not that I'm not confident in him. I just know that he's more of a four ERA pitcher than the other two guys who might actually be better objectively. I'm not going to like make that argument right now because Montgomery's just pitched so many more innings than both of those guys combined. But you'll have Montgomery as the four starter as long as he can limit the walks, which he has. He'll be really good. And the walks are important with the point I'm about to bring up. Herman has looked insane. Has not He's walked one batter also, which is part of my point. Devi struggled with his uh, command in the majors last year that the, the games that he didn't pitch well were because he walked many guys and then gave up a home run. That's, I mean, not a good recipe for success. I think that the Yankees will end up pitching Devi Garcia, as well as Herman, a similar amount of innings this year. However, that math works out. I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but if you remember last year, Garcia was at zero point in time, a starter guaranteed ever. It was always two days before he started, we would get a notification that he's taking someone's you know, spot in the rotation. I think we could see that again. I think we could see him in the bullpen and he'll make a start maybe like once a week or so um, just to give you know someone extra rest. And when I say someone, I'm really talking when Seve comes back, Severino could end up taking some more rest. Um, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think that injuries will happen. I think they're both going to end up pitching 100 plus innings this year. The hope you would hope that they both end up pitching 100 plus innings. So we'll see. Like Tyon also is like not pitched in two years. I could see him getting extra rest. Like it wouldn't surprise me to see both of them get a ton of innings. However, the math works out. Can we talk about the Angels? And. We can't hear Matt right now, which is a fun little thing. Oh, they, oh we, we, I apologize. I think I was muted. I think that uh, was God's way of saying you have nothing important to say. So, um, I disagree. I just wanted to say very quickly that when Severino comes back, because the Yankees pitchers are very uh, volatile with their arms, that him and Herman or even Garcia and Montgomery will all have varying roles throughout the bullpen. And although I don't think Sevy's going to start ever, 
at least not like a full game. I don't think he's – don't expect Severino to have a complete game shutout this year. But I I think that, like I said before, they, they can play around with the starters in the bullpen. So I'm very high on Garcia being a starter, but – like they, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if Boone messes a little bit with the traditional pitching staff. It's going to be cool to see. You want to move on to a different team? Yeah. Well, we, well, before I so rudely interrupted you, we were going to talk about the Angels. I'm down. Dylan Bundy's having a crazy season. Or spring. Also, Shohei Otani's also hitting dingers again, and he's also pitching like he's not. His ERA is not like where it's like should be, but his stuff is back. Like he's throwing 97, 98, high nineties with like insane splitters. So Shohei could be productive on the both sides of the ball, like he's been, like he was able to do when he won the, won the Rookie of the Year in twenty eighteen. Should know. have been Andujar, but it's fine. Yeah. And actually, uh, fun <laughs> funny thing on Fox, uh, their Twitter page. Uh, apparently, their fans voted that um, the Angels would win the AL West this year, which is pretty ridiculous. But um, I think it's up for grabs. They've had a good. They've had a good spring. Um, you know, their pitching has been. You know, Bundy showing that maybe his breakout last year wasn't a fluke. Um, Pujols has actually been playing. You know, somewhat well. It's his last season. So maybe he's trying to trying to go out on a high Finally. note. What Pools playing Finally. out his contract? I hate that contract. I hate, I hate that contract for Pools, and I hate that contract for the Angels. He should have never signed it in L.A. He should have stayed in St. Louis. His whole mindset would have been different. He would have had 800 home runs. Would have been a totally different career. He botched. He got fleeced. Well, the Angels oh. also have a positive spring training record. They're ten and six. So, like, if you're going off that as well, like they've had a productive. No, spring. I'm talking about the previous nine years of. The Albert Pujols deal. <laughs> no, it was a bad contract objectively, but like the Angels are set up well offensively. Uh, Jared Walsh also was like um, going to give a lot of chances. They hit high in the order. Justin very Upton, very sneakily in the Rookie of the Year conversation last year. Also, ju- do Justin Upton, who was a superstar player for like his early part of his career, kind of an afterthought. He's you know been on the Angels for like a few years now. Um, after being traded from the Tigers, he's actually having a nice spring. Three eighty-one batting average, three home runs. So if Justin Upton could be give any any sort of like offensive production, uh, the Angels could surely need it. Um, so Pujols also has a three eighty-five batting average. He'll DH along with Otani. Um, Andrew Heaney uh, stretched out to five innings the other day and got eight strikeouts. So the Angels they made some moves. You know, Rossi Iglesias if he can be a good closer. Um, the team could be good, but we say that every year. So Shohei and Pujols and Upton, their team veterans are showing promise. Uh, Bundy and Heaney and and Co. are, you know, stretching out, maybe give the Angels some pitching quality this year. So that's just another team I want to talk about. They don't really have um, much in terms of, like, competition for, like, roster spots. Like, um, Joey Dell, I don't think is going to really – get much playing time off the bat. Yeah, he's a bust. That, well, I mean, he's not a bust. He's just kind of young. And Dexter Fowler, like, probably play a little bit of right field for now. Um, But, yeah, that's just another team I want to talk. We can talk, we can talk about the Mariners Wait, as well. whoa, 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 whoa. Hypocrite alert right here. Brendan Mallon. I, I didn't sense anyone talking about the Angels. Yeah, I mean, I'm, letting sense. I'm letting you talk. Mean? That's how we do things here. We let each other speak. This is the thing. I okay, have been... here's the thing. No. <laughs> Stop that. I have been I have been high on the Angels all offseason, and you guys slandered them so incredibly rudely on this podcast. Don't switch up on me and say that you can see them winning the division. Don't switch up on me like that. They're not gonna win the division. Don't 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 hit me like that. I don't well either. Here's the thing though: this offense has no business not being good. If Shohei could even like be solid and he has like 300 at bats, he'll he'll hit 20 homers and 300 at bats. 100%. Probably more. And I'll probably have more at-bats than that. So you have him, Rendon, and Trout, just those three. And then you mix in Walsh, who had a million homers last year. This offense is going to score runs. Now, Bundy was great last year. Shohei was great the year before. If they're both good this year, you mix in Heaney, who's good for a 4 ERA, but like you can't have everything in the world. This team should be solid. Now, you're also sleeping on Joe Adele, because he's only played like 30 MLB games, not even. So give him a break. But 
I could see this offense doing amazing things. Their bullpen is improved. There's no reason why they shouldn't be solid. I think they can win 80-ish games, and it wouldn't be surprising. And if they really overperform, I won't be too shocked. Yes, we've been saying it for years. Maybe we mean it this time. Is this a hot take from Logan Strobing? If Aranola wins the Cy Young, the Angels win the AL West? <laughs> yeah, if Shohei wins the Cy Young, they'll, they'll win the, NL, uh, the AL West. There's no way that Shohei Otani wins the Cy Young. Oh, there's I, absolutely no way. I agree. I will see pigs fly before that happens. Um, I agree just because he's not going to throw 100 innings. But I think that Tanaka is more likely to win the Cy Young Award than Shohei Otani. I think people sleep on Tanaka. Well, it's literally, literally impossible. He can win the um, the equivalent of the Cy Young in Japan. That's the joke. That's the joke. Welcome the to joke. the conversation. <laughs> we can move on now to whatever team. Let's you... talk about Seattle. Let's do Seattle. Okay, I'm down. They have like a really bunzo roster, except for Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hattiger, who hasn't begun in a couple of years. He hasn't played in a couple of years. He's been good whenever he played. That I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I'm not really that high on the Mariners. I, like the AL West is kind of up for grabs, but I don't really see a, a bright light on their roster ever. And <laughs> ever. I Right now. I mean, ever because they haven't made the playoffs since 2001. But yeah, there's... there's I, I don't know. like Brendan, okay, I'll ask you. Why do you want to talk about the Mariners? I mainly just want to talk about Jared Kalanick. Oh, okay. Like, no. <laughs> I mean, no. Overruled. I won't allow it. No, let's talk about Jared Kalanick. Like, All right, I'm down. Let's talk about players that like are uh, competing for spots. Or, you know, I also wanted to talk about eventually, um, you know, new faces and new places and how they're doing like Bauer and Springer and Lindor and Arenado. But I want to talk about Kellenick first because he's one of the more interesting cases. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is thrown in here as well uh, with the uh, the White Sox, and he's had a monster spring training. But Kellenick obviously was like you know tearing the cover off the baseball early in camp. Uh, he got slowed down by a little bit of like a knee injury for the last week or so, but he's uh, back in games. Um, objectively, he would probably be the best or second best outfielder in the Mariners. Like major league roster right now he's MLB ready um he's a superstar in the making I'm taking my Mets bias out of this but you know Seattle has a superstar in their hands and you know if they want to like save a year on a service time by holding them in the minor leagues until end of April um it's already ruffled ruffled feathers with him because you know he's publicly come out and said that you know he um you know he deserves to make the opening day roster Definitely has the talent to do so, and you know, frustrated that the Mariners are playing with him and manipulating his time, um, and that's because that because of him declining uh, a contract offer from the Mariners, where which would have guaranteed him uh, an opening day spot. Like you know, when the White Sox signed Luis Robert, like before opening day last year during spring training, you know, they were gonna maybe hold him down the minor leagues unless. He accepted their contract offer. So the Mariners is not doing anything super, super um, outside the box here. But, I mean, we've seen teams like the Mets and the Padres, like, you know, having Tatis start with the Padres on opening day. The Mets started Alonso on the opening day roster. So it's becoming more and more of a thing that, like, you know, if your prospects are MLB ready, just start them now and worry about, you know, extra year or the control of the player later. So... Kalanick would really, you know, they, the Mariners would look bad for not having Kalanick on our roster. Um, so I actually do think I'm going to go for the upset. I'm going to say that, you know, Kalanick is going to play his heart out. He's going to ramp up and get healthy enough to start in left field for the Mariners because they have an open hole there besides Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger in the outfield. So that's why I want to talk about the Mariners. Um, do you want to throw in some thoughts? Because I also, we can also talk about, some of these new faces and new places. I definitely want to throw in some thoughts, but Matt, do you want to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll yield my time. Okay. Um, I disagree with two things you just said. One thing you said that I think is a gross exaggeration is that you just call Jared Kalanick the best outfielder in the Mariners. That makes no sense. And I'll tell you why. They have an outfielder that was a former all-star who has 10 war in a, in a thousand plate appearances. You could do the math on how good that is. And then they also have the rookie of the year. So no, he's not the best outfielder. He's not the second best. He will be the fourth best because he's hurt right now. I don't see him winning the left wow. field spot. I don't see it. I actually, 
yes, he's the most talented out of their prospects. He would be the left fielder had he been healthy, but that decision has been made for the Mariners at this point. Like he's not, he's not even playing right now. His left knee is injured. So until that heals, he'll be in sprint he'll be in triple a, and I could totally see them manipulating it from then on. Of course. Cause I mean, at that point might as well, right. You could just call it an injury. I don't see him coming up before then. It's unfortunate because teams like the White Sox with Eloy Jimenez, like they they played him um, and did not do the service time dumb stuff that other teams have done. And that fosters good relationships with their players. There's a reason why the White Sox are in the position that they are. So it's unfortunate, but I certainly don't think Jared Kalanick will start out with the Mariners. Um, I would kind of like to see Taylor Trammell stick the job let's see if he hits off the bat like he's young enough to hold that job too then they have a real problem on their hands a good one at that but a problem so we'll see can we go over all the teams that taylor trammell has been on so he started with cincinnati and then he went to san diego and now he's on seattle and then he's gonna get traded to texas and then he's gonna go to toronto hasn't played a major league game yet i don't think like barely so like that's he's such a highly touted prospect has been for years yeah he's been traded for some of the best players yeah, or like one of the best players, at least he was in the Tommy. No, not the Tommy fam trade. The Trevor Bauer trade, I think, with Yasiel Puig and Fred Reyes, And when all those guys got traded and then he was in the Austin Nola trade. With Correct. Seattle. Yeah, guys, I know baseball. I'm telling you, let's talk about new faces, new places. We already mentioned Francisco Lindor a little bit. Brendan, how, is he going to be good? I'm kind of excited because. I'm well, Lindor really in New York. Yeah, Lindor. Um, yeah, he started out pretty slow to start uh, hitting in spring training, but he's picked it up the last week. Obviously, uh, hit his first home run with the Mets on Tuesday, a two-run shot, um, and then you know uh, that was just an appetizer for his grand slam yesterday. So definitely uh, a must, a must sign for the Mets. Uh, hopefully, they get this extension done. Uh, a few weeks ago before opening day where Lindor said he will not negotiate during the season. So Lindor has been everything so far. The Mets have wanted out of him, you know, hitting the ball of power, uh, you know, also spreading the ball both sides of the field, um, hitting from both sides of the plate, playing a great shortstop. So we got the deal done. Uh, also featured in yesterday's game was Nolan Arenado, who made the trip to Point St. Lucie. Uh, hasn't hit a home run yet with the Cardinals. He has a 250 batting average, a few RBIs, a 576 OPS. But you know, Arenado's gonna hit wherever he plays. Uh, the defense, you know, I'm not worried about that, but we're still waiting on Nolan Arenado to hit his first dinger with the Cardinals. Uh, Trevor Bauer has been pretty good with the Dodgers, uh, you know, despite like his some of his antics, you know, getting strikeouts with a one eye open. Uh, obviously, his famous strut, uh, strut is back. Um, but he stretched out well. He has an ERA just over two. Uh, he seems ready to go and to build off his Cy Young, his Cy Young award last year. Uh, George Springer already has his first home run with the Blue Jays, but hasn't really done much since then. I'm pulling up his batting average, but I believe he has his first home run. Um, we can talk about who else got who else moves places. Because Ozuna, a lot of people were signed. Like LeMay, he was doing really well with the Yankees after re-signing. Um, Ozuna hit a, hit a home run this week with the Braves. So a, a lot of guys that ended up staying with their places. Uh, well, Tywin Walker is a new face that pitched well yesterday. Um, even even people that returned, like Trey Mancini, uh, Mitch Hanniger, guys who missed time that are coming back and playing baseball for the first time uh, You know, in a year or two. So it was nice seeing Mancini hit a home run the other day um am i missing any like big players that like change uniforms um i need to find springer's batting average but i know he hit a home run like when in one of his first games um well kluber Tyon, we talked about the yankees a bit in their rotation how their new guys are doing well um let's see you already mentioned jock peterson's crazy spring in chicago yeah, uh, it's true. Uh, Josh, Josh Bell's hitting. Also, Donaldson. I haven't heard anything about him, but he's like a name to watch on a very up and coming, not up and coming, but just a very good team in general with the Twins. So that's also interesting. I have to pull up the stats as well. Oh, so I have the stats in Springer, uh, 250 batting average, 
he has a home run, 673 OPS. But again, like Springer's going to hit. Uh, interesting to see that for throughout most of spring training, the Blue Jays have decided to hit Springer leadoff. So I thought they may have hit Springer like more like in a run producing spot, like in the cleanup spot or hitting third. Uh, so Springer's hitting first for like all of spring training. And they decided to have Bichette hit third. So interesting alignment there. Um, Lindor has been the primary two hitter for the Mets. So he settled into that uh, slot in the lineup pretty well. And Arenado has been hitting cleanup pretty much every day for the Cardinals. Yeah. it's um, pro- Is it Goldschmidt Arenado? I think it's Goldschmidt third, Arenado four. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. Like Springer, I always thought it was a little weird that he was a leadoff man in Houston because obviously Altuve is one of the best contact hitters in the sport. Well, mm-hmm. maybe not, but as far as we know, yes. But if he's doing well as a leadoff hitter, I mean, he he's an all-star because he was a leadoff hitter. He had so many leadoff home runs during his career with the Astros that it only makes sense for Toronto to expect the same from him at the number one spot. If he's good at leadoff, he's good at leadoff. He's also probably comfortable at the leadoff spot. So I don't blame him if he requested to still be in the leadoff spot. And also, I think it makes sense with just the rest of Toronto's roster. Like, Bichette doesn't really seem like a true leadoff guy to me. They all kind of do a lot of the same things. Like, Guriel Hernandez, Guerrero Jr., Biggio. They're all, like, semi-hit for average, semi-hit for power. So it's all kind of fluid. And then you have the established star in Springer, who's just a good leadoff hitter. I think that makes sense. Uh, Lindor hitting two. He's very versatile, both with what he could do with the bat and just batting from both sides of the plate. So I feel like his order in the lineup is also versatile. You could bat him two. You could probably bat him one. You could put him at cleanup. I think that makes sense too. So I don't really find anything wrong with that. It's, it makes sense more for him to be in the two spot to me than it makes sense to put judge in the two spot with the Yankees. Cause judge seems like a true cleanup hitter and you could have like Glaber bat too, but obviously Aaron judge is batting second in the order. Uh, there's nothing that I could do about that. And then Arenado batting fourth. I mean, yeah, he's a true power hitter. He uh, let's, I hope he hits for average still, but that. I mean, let's be realistic. I think it's going to go down a little bit because of the course effect, not being in St. Louis, but I still expect the power to be there and maybe a little less so because of a down batting average, but it just makes sense to put him four. I don't see anything wrong with that. I agree. Uh, if we want to switch gears, I have an interesting tidbit about one of my least favorite teams in baseball, the Boston Red Sox. Absolutely. So talking about position battles and players and you know, that type of stuff, they have the two leaders in home runs right now. And both of those players are Michael Chavis, Chavis, however, Chavis. and sure. And Bobby Dalbeck, who also has a famous person name. I don't know. And that name just sounds famous. But those two players also are competing for the same job in the first base position. So that's interesting. Now, mind you, they're both young. They're both converted third basemen, I think. Um, of course, Devers is entrenched there. You know, that, that's not changing anytime soon unless he gets hurt. And they'll probably both stay in the majors. I'm assuming Chavis will end up being the starter and then Dalbeck will maybe DH or come off the bench. Maybe they manipulate his time. But that's pretty interesting because I've been kind of high on the Red Sox as a team that's going to bounce back organically. And they don't have a farm system, but their major league talent is young and good. And they still have veterans. So, like, where do we where do we see them right now as a team? I'm asking you. Me? Either Who's one you? of you. I'll, I'll answer, sure. Um, we talked a little bit about this during breakfast as well. Uh, I like some of the additions they made. I think Kiko Hernandez was a really good signing. Uh, he's been hitting leadoff for most of spring training. Uh, you were saying that, like, you know, there's no way J.D. Martinez is going to be as bad as he was in 2020. So the hitting will be there. I, I just can't overlook the fact that their defensive outfield is, go- is gone from the three Bs, uh, Betts Bradley and Ben Attendi, to uh, Verdugo in center, Hunter Renfro in a corner, and probably Frenchy Cordero in another corner. It's pretty bad. Um, they announced recently that Eduardo... Rodriguez will be their opening day starter. So again, that's a very 
he's a solid pitcher, but starting out the season with him, uh, you really hope that Chris Sale comes back and provides some quality starts down the stretch, but I don't see this team being super competitive. Um, their first, I mean, Bobby, how do you pronounce his name? His The guy that has like, repeat, repeat, repeat that. Bobby Dalbeck. Bobby Dalbeck. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they didn't really fill first base this offseason where like they could have maybe re-signed Mitch Moreland or go after Carlos Santana. Uh, they left that spot open in the infield. So that job is pretty much up for grabs and pretty much he's put his name on that job. Um, Michael Chavis, I don't know if he's really going to have much. Uh, listen to us on the pod. Jeez. Michael Chavis. He also has like five home. Yeah, they're, they're the two leaders that Logan referenced, right? Yes. Correct. You look so, you sound so disappointed. I went on a nice little monologue about a Red Sox team. Yes, that those were the two players. They are leading. I'm not high enough. I mean, I'm not really high on Michael Chavis, but yeah, Dalbeck, like, should be pretty good. Um, but I'm not, they'll be better than they were last year, but. Well, Dalbeck had a pretty solid year last year. It was his rookie year, but his OPS plus was like above 150, and he had plenty of home runs and an all right batting average. I think he batted like 260. But it's an interesting debate to have because Chavis isn't as old as we all think. Like, oh, he's young. Yeah, 2019 was his rookie year. I remember he hit that home run in London off Tanaka, and that just stung. But he had a really bad 2020. His OPS Plus last year, I think, was 70, maybe not even. So the, the, the debate between the two is very contested especially because the Red Sox don't have a great farm system basically no farm system and these are both guys who are 25 or younger and will hopefully be a part of this team for a while after the departure of the th- of the triple B's so set. also they have Marlon Marlon Gonzalez listed as the left fielder right now like he's been a, u- a utility player for most of his career I don't really understand that Ben attendee trade like I didn't like it they didn't really get Matt get back much talent and like they could have you know maybe see if Benintendi could have had a bounce back so I feel like there was more to that than meets the eye I'm sure that Benintendi wasn't that happy with the direction of the Red Sox I'm not saying that he requested a trade but I'm sure that he was happy to go to a not a fledgling team like Kansas City but just a really interesting one (laughs) fair um but yeah the Red Sox they uh, what's their record this spring? Cause, you know they they have they have been hitting, but I don't know how they're. I think it's up there. I think they've been it's, doing oh, well. Like the Blue nine, Jays, oh. the Yankees, and Blue Jays, I know have have both been doing particularly well. And then yeah, the Red Sox are ten and six. They're up there. It's the order of the Grapefruit League right now is Miami, the Yankees, Boston, Toronto, Washington, Mets, Atlanta, Philly, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa, Minnesota, Baltimore, Houston. Okay, I really like the uh, Kike Hernandez signing. Like, I'm gonna you know keep saying that over and over again, but I really like that signing. But the pitching, they just I don't know. It's not gonna last a full season in this depth. You know, Martin Perez of all the, you know, of all the they keep yanking back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. So like, all the if he can pitch a full year, eh, maybe I don't know. They're stretching him out to be a starter though, so we'll see how that how he performs this year, but. Um, for reference, by the way, oh, I just want to say the Cactus League standings because I just said the Grateful League standings, so it's only fair. So that was Florida. This is Arizona, Kansas City, Chicago Cubs, uh, Dodgers, Angels, Texas, Colorado, Milwaukee, Oakland, Seattle, San Fran, Arizona, San Diego, Cleveland, Chicago, Cincinnati. Very interesting to see the Padres and the White Sox at the bottom of that. Not at all surprising to see the Reds at the bottom of that. <laughs> they don't put too much into it. Yeah, I think um, does anyone else have does anyone else want to say anything before we go to our last segment? I have like a, a sort of fun comparison comparison game that I want to play. I had one more thing I want to talk about. Sure, go um, ahead. Just people we haven't talked about yet. Um, looking at an article right now from Bleacher Report, uh, just stars that are showing signs of bouncing back in 2020, 2021 that were uh, down years in 2020. Uh, Pete Alonso, we kind of talked about, but he has really you know, excelled the spring training, uh, three home runs already, uh, batting over 400 OPS. I mean, around 1200. Um, so that's looking good. Uh, we also talked about Josh Bell earlier on when we were talking about the nationals, uh, how he's been hitting home runs. 
uh, from both sides of the plate. Uh, a guy we haven't really talked about is, well, we also talked about Shohei, uh, his impact on the Angels on both sides of the ball. Talked about Jack Peterson. Um, but Joey Gallo for the Rangers, uh, kind of a lost year in 2020. Uh, but he's had a good, he has five home runs. So he's right up there with Bobby Dalbeck and Michael Chavis for the home run league in the great, in the, the cactus league. Uh, he won a gold glove in 2020, but again, he was like pretty terrible batting average wise. Uh, he's hitting 348 in 11 spring training games, uh, 483 o- uh, OBP. So getting on base, hitting dingers, uh, his fielding is going to be there uh, wherever you put him in the outfield. So, you know. The Rangers really don't have a great direction right now, but, you know, it's nice to see Gallo uh, maybe reestablish himself. Uh, I could tell Marte also uh, having a nice spring with the Diamondbacks, uh, MVP caliber player in 2019, but didn't really play super, you know, didn't really hit for power last year. Already has two home runs in spring training after hitting only two home runs in all of 2020. So uh, those are the guys that are listed on this article. Uh, Robbie Ray and Julio Tehran are also listed on here, but, I don't think they're going to be super notable and impactful. So uh, if you guys want to talk about any of these players, but these are guys that are like, you know, showing signs of bouncing back this year through, through these spring training games. I actually think the only one um, that I'm the, the one I'm most excited about would be uh, Robbie Ray, because he's now on a team that is needs him. Essentially they, they really do. The blue Jays need him to be well. Um, so that's, that's interesting. I've always liked his stuff. And even when he's awful, which has been the case the last two years, his strikeout stuff is still the best in the league. So at the end of the day, the floor is kind of high with them. Like if he's able to just strike enough people out to get his ERA under five, that might be enough for that offense, which might be kind of fun to see him, you know, strike out a bunch of Yankees. I'm sure that'll happen. We'll see. I'm sure that'll be really fun to see. I agree. But before we end the pod, I want to do a quick because I had a little bit of fun with the with the Yankees Mets sort of debate. Let's not go super in depth, but here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna list. We're gonna do three of these. I'm gonna list two teams, and we're gonna say who's gonna have the better record in the regular season. Give a quick explanation, and then we'll see in six months who's right. <laughs> All right. Let's lead off. Marlins, Brewers, who will have the better record? Ooh, so that's a good one. Uh, I guess I'll go first since I'm talking. Uh, I will say the Brewers will have a better record. Uh, I've been high in the Brewers as well. I love the moves they made for Jackie Bradley and Colton Wong. Uh, really gives them a good defense for Corbin Burns and Brendan Woodruff to play behind. Um. And they also have way less competition than the Marlins will have in the NL East. Like, there's just way more, you know, the Nationals aren't going to be bad. I mean, they may not be great, but you're playing the Phillies, the Braves, and the Mets a lot for the Marlins. So even if they're, like, good, uh, I, the Brewers are going to be feasting on the Pirates uh, all season long. Uh, the Cubs and the, um, the Cardinals should be should be competent. They should be contenders, but the Reds are probably going to have a big step down this year after their playoff appearance so the brewers will definitely be a, be a top three team in the central where i can't say the same for the marlins logan how about you what do you think i mean yeah i mean these are like two teams that i don't like but i i definitely think the brewers will be i think the brewers have a better record i think the brewers are also a better team than the marlins um i think the brewers the marlins strengths are the pitching you could say the same thing about the brewers but the brewers have better pitching so I'll take that plus a former MVP and a bunch of other, you know, aging but still good players rather than the up-and-coming Marlins for much of the same reasons that Brendan said. I just think that the Brewers are a safer bet, statistically speaking. I don't like them, though. So let me make that clear if I didn't already. Let's move on to our second matchup. Hold on. I just had an oh, – oh, oh, oh. A's, Blue Jays. A's. Uh, Blue Jays, I'm hot. Uh, I like their moves for Springer, and I don't like, I don't love their Simeon move. Uh, they really should have added to their rotation more. And the A's, you know, I love their moves late in spring tra- uh, late in the offseason, early in spring training, picking up Trevor Rosenthal and Mitch Moreland. Uh, they won the AL West last year. 
Uh, they really didn't really move, they didn't really lose much. You know, Marcus Simeon was pretty bad for them last year, and they still were competitive. Uh, Matt Olson was actually also on that um, comeback, bounce back uh, 2021 player list in spring training. He's having a nice he's having a nice spring training uh, compared to his down year in 2020. So Matt Olson, Matt Chapman will be healthy. Um, you know, Moreland, they have a nice uh, they have a nice pitching staff with uh, Chris Bassett, Mike Fires. Um, the Astros also lost George Springer. So, again, the Blue Jays are in a more, are in a more competitive division where the Blue Jays are clearly behind the Yankees and the Rays, uh, whereas the A's are really going to be, you know, they'll feast on the Mariners. Um, the Astros won't be as competitive, but they'll still be good. But the A's will, will be a better team and have a better record. I agree, and I don't know why people forget. I feel like all of baseball has amnesia when it comes to the A's in the sense that every single year we watch them play and we're like, oh, yeah, they'll like fall off a cliff. Like they're not this good. And then they're always like top five in record. And it's like, oh, how did that happen? Like, I'm not surprised. They have a crazy rotation. Like no one talks about how to like Mania wasn't healthy last year. The year before he was amazing. They still have Puck coming up, AJ Puck, as and they have Lazardo as well, who's bad last year. He's a great bounce back candidate. Like Brendan said, they have Bassett and Fires at the four-five spot. I mean, they their offense is always amazing. They might have the most underrated player in baseball in Matt Chapman. I think he's second in WAR in the past five years. So, like, I'm not surprised. Like, when they they should be one of the best teams in baseball, and I have them in our World Series pick, and I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to say that. You're happy they're on the squad. All right. They're on the team. Last one. I think this one is going to be uh, the most divisive. Indians, Giants. Oh, this is easy. I'll let Logan, I'll let Logan go first for this one. This is interesting. I think uh, it's way more interesting than Brendan's giving it credit for. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I know Brendan's going to say the Indians because he's just absolutely in love with the Lador. Mets players on the Indians. But ah, mm, for argument's sake, just to play devil's advocate, maybe I'll go Giants because they did make moves that could have improved their roster. I have the Indians in our pick, and I think the Indians are objectively a better team, but they do have to get through two of the best teams in the AL, and their record might be deflated because of that. Yeah, but the uh, I just, I mean, the Giants do have to go against the Dodgers and Padres. <laughs> That's true, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate, so I can try I to ignore that. I'm, try, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. All right. I'll, give me Yastrzemski. They did make some solid moves in the sense that I do like um, the reigning batting title. Not a batting title guy, but what I'm blanking on his name. We talked about him last episode. Donovan Solano. Donovan Solano. Donovan Solano. Thank you. So I like him. All right. They, they, they have players and they have Joey Bart, who should be good this year. They still have Posey. Actually, Brandon Belt was great last year. Um, they, they're a very solid team. And if they win 80 games, that might be enough to beat the Indians and they might win 80 games because they were on pace last year. So like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, um, I'm, I'm not a fan of the giants. They've had the same core since like 2010. Uh, their pitching is very suspect. They bought their rotation, basically, uh, Disco Fani and Alex Wood, um, not super inspired oh, and Aaron Sanchez as well. So we'll see how that you know, patching together that rotation will turn out. Um, haven't developed their own pitchers of their own. Uh, but yeah, Yastrzemski is very good. Um, they should sign him like tomorrow. Uh, for the Indians, though, like Hondra Jimenez is tearing the ball off the baseball this spring. Like he has two home runs, uh, hitting over 300. So also has an excellent glove, like Lindor. So we'll see how much the Indians actually like lose in terms of like uh, Lindor to Jimenez this year. You know, Jimenez will be the full time shortstop. Um, also, they have the reigning Cy Young, Cy Young Award winner. Um, they brought in Eddie Rosario, who was a, which was a very underrated move to replace pretty much the power that Lindor has. Um, so yeah, their, their rotation were like Zach Plesac, Aaron Civale, uh, James Karnacek in the back end of the bullpen. They also have like a top three MVP finisher in Jose Ramirez, who is the most underrated pl- player in baseball. Um, they have a really solid team to just like. I'll probably have them over the White Sox in terms of like when we do our actual season predictions. I'm not high in the White Sox. Uh, they'll, You're insane. Still You're actually insane. The Indies are a really good team. Yeah, the White Sox are a much better team. I don't think so. The White Sox uh, could so be in the World Series. I'll have the Indians around 80, 85 wins. The Giants will have will be 
mid seventies, maybe. Hey, wait, wait, hold wow. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's you slander. Think, you think the Indians are going to win eighty games and be the second best team in that division? 80, still... 85. I'll say like 84, 85. Try like 90, 95. Yeah. That's where you're probably. How do you leading. not think the White Sox are finishing above 500? They all have like 82, 83 wins. That's unbelievable. I think you're absolutely on cocaine. I think you're literally. Well, what's the word here what's first? What's the love fest with the White Sox? Jose Abreu is not. All right. It's not a White Sox discussion, but I just don't. I'm not a believer. Oh, you're not a believer in the guy that's hit 30 homers and 100 RBIs like eight years in a row? You don't think he could keep it up? You're not a believer in the reigning American League MVP winner? You want to talk about most underrated players in baseball? Screw Jose Ramirez. Well, let's talk about Jose Abreu for a sec. I, I don't Tim want to Anderson, screw Jose Abreu. I don't Tim want to screw him. Nah, Tim Anderson sucks. DJ LeMahieu should always win the batting What about title. the most overrated pitcher ever in Lucas Giolito, but actually is still really good? Uh, he pitched a no-hitter, therefore he's in the Hall of Fame. I actually hate that take. I, you, they might be better than the Giants, but that's a that is a tough stretch to think that eighty to eighty five wins will be second in that division. That's right, I'll say matter. I'll say the Indians around like eighty five, eighty six, and then the White Sox finish above like a little bit above five hundred. The Twins will have I think it's more low nineties to mid nineties and win the Central. Wow, I think it's more you're likely actually off teams. your rocker. I think it's more likely. All I'm not. I don't like trendy teams. Wins. I don't like trendy teams. It's not a trendy team. They literally just, they were in the playoffs last year. They uh, were good. Playoff format, Chungo Bungo. They were fin- <laughs> they finished better than the Indians. Chungo Bungo. Uh, you got me there. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to the episode. Make sure to rate us highly on whichever podcast providing platform you listen to us on and follow us on social media. It's Baseball for Breakfast on Instagram and Baseball for Bread One on Twitter. We'll talk to you next week with your weekly serving of dingers and zingers.